Citizens of the Verse, today is November 1st, 2952, and welcome to another episode of Citizen Cast. We're a Star Citizen podcast here to discuss, ooh, discuss, discuss what's going on in the game and its development. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-host, who I didn't figure out a nickname for this episode, Mr. Seagard Olfsen. Hello, Seagard. Yes. I'm the sidekick, Way Too Squeaky. <laughs> And then we've got Chekhov way too clicky. Yeah. Although we're hearing your we're hearing your clicks too. Oh yeah, it's but my they're job. They're He's not here, so I had to take it over. That's right. <laughs> but then when Chekhov's uh, on, it sounds like he's also throttling his desk. He does, and he swears he swears he's not using joysticks at the time. But I do not buy it. Uh, well, welcome to another episode. Um, it's our biannual. Our biannual, yeah, one, twice a year. <laughs> or once every two years, depending on how you, <laughs> how you define that. So, Seagard, what have you been up to this past week? You know, it was a good week. Um, played a little bit. Um, and then on Sunday, we did our first event in a long time. We, you oh, know, yeah. Kind of since we come over to Parlay House, we had kind of, I had stopped laying on, you know, events and, and there was others that were doing There were a few at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and we've always had, you know, racing and things like that. Homington was awesome at setting that stuff up. And, and I think, you know, we just all kind of said, eh, let's just back off a little bit. Um, but I decided through many requests to do something. So I said, let's just do a casual mining event. Um, and it was very casual. I mean, it was like, We'll all, meet at, we'll all meet at the menu, we'll form a group, we'll go in and we'll pick a spot and one person will post there or go there with their ship and then everyone will just quantum to that location and we'll try to mine. And it, we were doing it on a planet. Mm-hmm. so And it didn't matter what you brought, hand miner, vehicle mining, you know, ship mining. If you wanted to bring a mole and get other people on, that's fine. It just go have fun. Uh, and we did that. I mean, that was probably four hours before I got off. I mean, it was a long time, but uh, people were still on when I got off. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think probably, I know when we started, we had 18 of us on, but then we had a couple of people leave and a couple more people come on. Uh, we had quite a few new people. Um, uh, trying to think if I have a picture where I can pull their names, but I mean, right off the top of my head, we had Borg and uh, Panda, uh, you know, it, just a whole slew of new people. They were all fantastic. Um, and it was fun. There was no real structure to it. We had some people say, Hey, I want to fly out. And like Cody went out and, you know, brought his, his little, uh, what do you call it? A MISC, um, science vessel. I can't think what it's not the core. It's the, uh, uh, the, uh, Sen. Yeah. The Sen. And he was out there kind of finding stuff for everybody. And, uh, Flavius had a group and he was doing stuff and we had um, a whole slew of people though. I mean, it was quite a few, five or six new people. They were all wonderful. I mean, everyone got along great. Um, it, it was great. It was just a really good time. Um, and uh, kind of wrapped that up and uh, we're going to do another one. And I think, I think it's the 12th. It's a Saturday. Cause I realized as I did it, I had, forgotten that it's not really a good time for anyone from Australia. Uh, Sundays is not a very good time for anyone on Australia because they're ahead of us. 
Mm-hmm. So I kind of botched that in the scheduling. So the next one uh, we'll do, it's like two weeks from now on the 12th. I think it's a Saturday. Uh, yeah, it's a 12th. Mm-hmm. And we'll do it so that, uh, you know, it'll be about 11, and 11 in the morning East Coast time to kind of give the spread a time. Um, and it's, I think we might do a little bit more this time. We might do like a uh, quantum jump together and, so we can kind of, you know, all get a big snapshot of all these ships kind of come in and, you know, at the same time, that'll be fun. And then uh, head down uh, to the mining spots and you know, do our thing. But uh, there were people spread all over that planet. I mean, it was people out there doing their own thing and people doing it as a group. And uh, we had, uh, I was flying around just kind of checking people, seeing, making sure nobody got left out and was kind of on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had the list of names in front of me because they were great. Everyone, I'll get, I'll get it before the end of the night. Cause I have a picture I took deliberately to get all that. Yes, I saw. I, oh, yeah. so I, I'll call I out the names because they were all fantastic. Uh, you know, we had, uh, it was great. It was great. It's a really good time. So we'll do it again. And, uh, you know, I think everyone had fun. I got lots of comments back and, uh, appreciation and it was a blast to do. So I loved doing it. So Excellent. that was, that was really fun. That sounds like it was a great time. I uh, I missed that unfortunately, and I also unfortunately missed the bar citizen in yeah. uh, in New Jersey, as did as did Chekhov. Yeah, Quadnum and them, I guess, went though, right? Yeah, Quad Quadnum went, and then so did Escar. Oh, excellent, excellent. And Escar won a pro- a raffle prize or something. What did he win? I I don't know, but there's a picture of him on. Um, he was on the RSI or the Star Citizen Instagram the other day. Oh, awesome. In their story. Awesome. I was like, oh, my God. I that's know him. Great. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, well, I only knew it was him because it said his name. Escar, yeah. <laughs> Seagar, and Skyguard. <laughs> like the three amigos. Um, and then I really haven't been playing, to be quite honest. I. You've had um, a lot on your plate, I know. No, it's not even that. It's just I'm just like, mm, I'll wait till IAE, you know. Gotcha. That's when I'll be on, and then who knows? Maybe the twelfth. Um, Maybe the twelfth. Is there another uh, the other event? Yeah, that's the one I'm going to do on the twelfth, right? I. That's a Saturday. Yeah. I think I no have commitment, no obligation. Well, it's in the morning, right? Uh, yeah, eleven in the morning. Yeah, maybe I can. We shall see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, not much going on. I've just been keeping my head, my ear to the ground and seeing what's happening in the game, but that's about it. Um, so speaking of what's going on in the game. <laughs> or I, 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 did, guess in I the, did my research this week too. So I guess good. in the verse that is. Uh, Inside Star Citizen, um, last week we got another dive into the updated underground facilities didn't get much outside of what we saw at CitizenCon in terms of, you know, we got a few white boxes, but really what they did is they walked us through the process of how they essentially plan out something like that. Um, what's interesting is the new facilities, when they were building them, they were thinking about, okay, or when they started building them, how long do they want people to be in the environment for? So it sounds like they want it to be a really rich experience. Um, and then they mentioned that they will have about 93 different rooms with 196 different variations in overlays. So it sounds like they're 
systematizing them so they're not going to seem the same every time. Um, but at the same time, means that they can uh, introduce them into the game very quickly and have many of them. Uh, second part of that episode was about Gen 12 rendering. Uh, and what they said is you can expect some improved frame rates, better load times. Everything should look more beautiful. They showed some comparisons of Gen 12 pre or rendering pre and post Gen 12. Uh, I mentioned that, of course, this is the groundwork for Vulcan um, to be able to work as well. Uh, they're hoping to have at least an initial version of the full release of Gen 12 in 3.18 with subsequent patches being improvements and polish. Uh, so good stuff. What, uh, anything about the episode stand out to you, Seagar? Anything exciting? Yeah, um, I definitely the, the the Vulcan stuff was really intriguing. I mean, it uh, I was just fascinated by that tool he was looking at. I looked at that and it's like, man, that just looks like static on a screen to me. Yeah. I, but he could read that, and I, I guess that's why they they do this for a living. They <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, you know, I have seen Vulcan used in other games that have fully gone over, and the performance increases incredible. I mean, it mm-hmm. really is significantly better so uh, and i really liked the way he, he presented it right he was i thought he was very concise he did a nice job of it um it, yeah i thought it was a, i thought that was a great a great view of what some of the challenges are and how they've progressed and where they're going right? yeah. yeah so definitely yeah um for me, I sort of already h- highlighted what I was thinking about was really the new facilities are being built with the idea of enough variation to make them interesting, but then enough um, procedural tech to make them really easy to launch or relatively easy for a designer right. to launch. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like given all those rooms, there'll be a lot of variation in the the quote unquote story. Yeah, I mean the the you know they were talking numbers, right? You know, don't don't get overdone by the numbers, but you know the fact that you're having you know x number of rooms. I think it was ninety something rooms in the complex, and you yeah, ninety three, you know, four different variations, and you have you know then you have different variations by what planet they're on and what you know what they're located near. I mean, I was just stunned by that. I'm, it's definitely they're doing it to scale, right? Um, yeah. I thought that was great. Um, I had forgotten about that part. Uh, you know, they're, they're definitely building to scale, which is always my fear is that they won't. They'll build one or something and then they kind of leave it. But uh, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It gives me a, a good sense that at the very least, you know, that I don't think you'll sit there and go, oh, and remember at CitizenCon, they only showed us the medium-sized one. So it sounds like, and I could be wrong, but it sounds like that that was a sort of continued uh, conversation around that medium-sized one. So we don't know if, you know, giant ones or smaller ones will be different. I'm sure they will to some degree. Um, yeah, just cool. Oh, go ahead. Just you know, one thing that also dawned on me was that that many rooms and that many entrances. You know, we typically go in and you know two or three people and clear out a bunker pretty quick. You know, after after Badger and and uh, and uh, Hamar position us, you know, like 
<laughs> you just got to watch a doorway for them, and then they go clear the room. Yeah. Uh, you know, three or four people is not going to be enough. It really is going to be much even bigger than the 890 jump. You can do that with yeah. one person. I get it. But, you know, the, the reality is to do it all, all the, you know, everyone's safe. You got to have more people. So I think that's a great, a great thing to really get in there and have a chance of getting out. You have to control it. And you, it's going to be great for bigger groups. It's going to require bigger groups. So yeah, that's yeah. all I'll say about that. Well, bigger if I think depending on the style of gameplay, because sometimes the missions might require a little bit of stealth. Right. Right. It'll be interesting to see how they, because let's face it, the rooms and everything are not if the gameplay isn't there, right? They can help facilitate it. They can help enable it. They can make it more immersive and more exciting. They could give players more options, but if the mission design isn't there, it's not going to matter. Right. And if this is just a bigger kill everyone in the room mission and do this one thing, it's not going to matter. But it doesn't sound like that's the case. And it sounds like they're creating different points of interest in buildings to create different potential missions. And it even sounds to the point of like where it could be. Some of them are basic delivery and repair missions (laughs) within the facility. And some of them could be, hey, this is hijacked by pirates. Take out the pirates figure out what they're looking for. Like it could be a combo of a, a mercenary investigation mission. Who knows? I agree. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I'm pretty confident when, who knows? Uh, Star Citizen live had uh, the feet, the gameplay feature team talking about the investigation missions that they talked about in citizen con. Uh, they mentioned how they wanted to construct the mission so that it could be as modular as possible. Uh, they talked about trying to create great storytelling with interesting missions, and really they're creating tools to cur- help the mission team uh, continue to create, you know, the content team create great missions and the designers and everyone. Um, and then they did say that the mission itself should scale in difficulty based on the party and tools that you have at your disposal. Uh, they went a little bit into Siege of Orison, which was one of the more early stage, um, less obvious missions in terms of it wasn't pointing you in every direction. They looked at data, they listened to feedback, and that helps them continue to refine their mission design going forward. Um, they also talked about the changes with crime being uh, put into 318, SPK being much more of a PvP sort of sandbox PVP zone with mission design around it this time. Uh, Law kiosks will now allow you to turn in, turn yourself in for a reduced sentence. They did mention, I don't, this had nothing to do. Well, I guess it mentioned they were talking about it in relationship to the prison escape route or something. Right. Right. They mentioned that the vehicle and ships um, that show up in a terminal will now only be the ones that you can spawn at that given location. Which is a, a simple like fix or not it it's a simple change. Right. Could be a very difficult fix, but it's a quality of life improvement. Uh, and they walked us through the go no go video for the new prison escape route, which includes a potential mission you could take from Rudo that allows you to complete some sort of like find in the caves 
of the escape route mission in order to get your sentence wiped. And it also happens to lead you um, out to potential safety. They did make it seem like it's a more hazardous journey, um, however. Uh, And then, um, yeah, they included sort of a, a component of where you had to upload data for Ruto, where you would encounter essentially security. Uh, and the convenient part there is if you're, if you're sitting there in your um, Ursa rover and you get to that location, which is pretty close to the prison, it's a derelict ship where security is investigating. And, uh, you know, if you happen to take out the security, you could take the ship that they flew in on. So essentially gives you an escape route um, and then a way off the, off the moon. I thought that was very cool. I mean, yeah. like I had never seen, I mean, and they warned us, but I'd never seen how, you know, you shut down the fan, you go out through the fan. I had no idea. Uh, that um, must be a newer, like that must be a change when they edited the escape route the first time, because originally you just, the fan was moving slow enough and there was a gap in the fan that you could. Yeah, they said, through. they said the little button panel was a, um, was a new addition. The interface was a new addition. Oh, I thought I thought they were saying they updated the actual panel, but that the panel was still there. I I didn't I was confused by that. Yeah, and I'd never done that. I've never done that piece. I've always, you know, thought you went out through the tunnels. Uh, and I was very pleasantly surprised to see in their little demo there that, you know, you have NPCs walking down through the tunnels now. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that, yeah. Yeah, it's not so it's not so barren um, when you're out there by yourself, right? It feels a little more alive, and I almost wish they could attack you. Yeah, right, because then you could be, you know, you could end up being. Um, you have to be on your toes when you're out there, right? It adds another depth to that play out there because I yeah. definitely go down those tunnels looking for stuff. Yeah, I. Uh... I don't go to prison often, but when I do, I try to get out as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, I go with my best friends. <laughs> or you send them there. <laughs> Usually about 20 of them. <laughs> um, the second half. the best days we had. We yeah. all went to prison. I remember when it first got introduced? Yeah. I remember Nets Mage and I were trying to do the new mission. Um, the prison transport prisoner transport mission. Oh, okay. Just to test it out, you know, and we went and did it and we failed. Apparently the AI while we were doing that was a huge improvement from the past, which I think it was at the time, but immediately we both went to prison and we were like, <laughs> guys, we've been in the patch on PTU <clears throat> for five minutes and we're in prison. <laughs> 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 and everyone's like, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, the second half of that episode uh, was actually uh, John Griffiths, who was talking us through the underground facilities the day before on ISC. Yeah. It was a, a little bit more in depth um, info about his role, his background. <clears throat> he happens to be, bless you. Thanks. That was a cough. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Not, I couldn't tell in my ear, in my ears. <laughs> Uh, he happens to be a lead environmental artist, so a little bit of a uh, getting to know him. Uh, but yeah, it seems like 
you know, they're sticking to the same format for Star Citizen Live. Um, this week, we'll have two, two guests again, uh, but they're unannounced as of this point. And then ISC will be getting an update on the cargo refractor, which I'm sure refactor, which I'm sure you're excited about, Seaguard. Absolutely. As well as the progress of Wrathstar, which is that tool um, that they talked about earlier. Um, I think last CitizenCon, essentially the tool that they use to scatter um, entities such as outposts, and they'll be using it to scatter outposts across Pyro. So it should be a good episode. Um, yeah. No, I agree a whole wholeheartedly. Excellent. So, <laughs> excellent. Thank you for agreeing, Seagard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just recently announced that uh, the dates for IAE. So, for those who don't know, it is the Intergalactic Aerospace Expo. It's an in-game event where the expo actually has a physical expo hall. It'll be taking place this year between the uh, November 18th all the way through the 30th. Um, the color theme this year is red, black, and white. Uh, hint, hint, very likely the paint colors of the skins, a.k.a. we already saw the yep. Leaks Discord if you look in there. Um, and the event is sponsored by Drake uh, and being held at Microtech uh, this year, um, which is surprising. Um, there was, There's also a video, so take a look at that. It, it's an intro video, and it provides some snippets that are interesting. First of all, you see the uh, CEO of Drake making an announcement, and some unnamed, unidentifiable Drake ship is coming into uh, the expo hall. And then there is a quick glimpse at what at first I thought was the paint-skinned Pisces, but now... Uh, between leaks and looking further at the pic- the images, looks like it might be a medical rescue Pisces. That's what I heard. I saw someone discussing that. Yes, it was. Um, yeah. Who was it? Why am I forgetting? Um, I'm looking it up now. Uh, but then also, um, interestingly enough, uh, there was a, a snippet essentially about um, it being in memoriam of Jax McCleary. What do you think? Is Jax dead or is this a fake out? I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I saw that too. I was like, that's kind of weird because he's always funny. Yeah. No. Um, I don't know. I was wondering about that. It seems like a weird thing to put in there. So I doubt that he's dead. Uh, I have, I, he's, I think that's just a little bit of pre-drama to get us all kind of spooled up and thinking. Mm. Uh, yeah. The, um, I think it's just, I have a feeling it's their way of saying, ha ha ha. We thought he was a goner because quite frankly, you know, uh, you know, uh, if he went to Pyro, he is a goner, you know, that kind of thing. Or like right. he, he won't show up until the end of the season or the set of videos. Right. Supposedly there's 10 videos this year. Now, when they finished last year's, what was the last thing he did? What was he doing? Him and That's, James were doing something, right? They were taking off. 
So he was, he left Jimmy behind and he decided to go solo a, um, (laughs) uh, a misc odyssey into the pyro system. Gotcha. So it's like they're, it's like they're essentially trying to create the road of pyro via Jax. Yeah. Yeah. He'll probably foreshadow some kind of event or in-game thing that might happen within the next year. That could be. That could be. The uh, one of the thing I, you know, you talked about the ship that's coming down through the hatch. Yeah, um, I, I was going to ask, what's okay. your speculation there? So, uh, kind of an interesting. The what I what I believe is the back end looks kind of like the back end of a Cutlass Black. It's kind of slanted. Probably a, a ramp that comes down. The thing that was really shocking to me was it had center-mounted engines that were vertical for landing. Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't see any engines on the back. I didn't see any on the, what I think is the front. Um, and it it kind of reminded me of you're going to laugh a combination ship like the. Front of a freelancer and the back of a cutlass black. It it did have a misky nose to it. Yeah, and my thought was, could this be? And, and it's not like I thought about it instantly, but I did think about it over a couple of days, and I thought, could it be something from Pyro that's cobbled together ship? Because it looks, know. they look. It reminded me of the ship from uh, Firefly. Well, uh, right? here's the Serenity. The Serenity. It kind of reminded me of the Serenity, but it doesn't look that big. Here's my one reason for saying I don't think that's the case, is because the one announcing it is the Drake CEO. Yeah. And you're right. You're so right. unless it was him announcing a partnership with Misk or something, I don't foresee that being a likely occurrence but yeah the front just reminded me of it just reminded me of the either the like a hull a or a freelancer front i bet once we see it from a different angle we'll go oh no that's full-on drake yeah and we'll probably go what was i thinking (laughs) now here's the question what does the ship what function does the ship have i do not know what are you hoping for? What do you think Drake is missing? Or do you think they're going to double down on something? Or Could it be a Drake mining ship? What? You know, you don't see any overt pirate ships, right? That's the one thing about Drake. So I'm not going to say it's a pirate ship. Um, Especially already announcing it at IA. Yeah, and we definitely have a exploration ship that's coming out. We have mm-hmm. a fighter. We have a medium hauler. We have a big hauler. Uh, we have a communication ship. Um, that, to me, that only leaves, you know, three mining, uh, salvage, or an, another cargo ship. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be a cargo ship. So I think it's either going to be a mining ship or a salvage ship. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if it's gonna be, um, I would, I would, I would lean towards salvage because that's the next big thing coming up. Yeah. Okay. 
I am uncertain myself. I do think they're going to, I, I have a feeling since they're sponsoring the IAE, it's sort of in lore with like trying to repair their public image after the last CEO who was a hot right. mess. Right. Uh, so I, I think they're going to double down on industrial. And I think it's either, I think it's one of the three things with the most likely in my mind being mining. Uh, second one being refining. Ooh. And then the third one being salvage. I just yeah. think it's weird that they have two salvage ships coming out so close together by Drake. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Versus you're right. Like, I forgot I about the Misk salvage ship coming out. Right. Uh, and that's the other thing. Like Misk supposedly has something coming out. And the other question, usually for folks who aren't familiar, usually at IAE, the they usually introduce one. They usually introduce three types of ships. One is essentially your. Um, uh, why can't I think of it? Your lifetime insurance token, either a vehicle or a small ship of some sort, really cheap entry level, like a Pisces type. Uh, So that could be the Pisces ambulance, if that's what they introduce, Um, or something, or a small vehicle. Uh, They usually introduce a medium sized ship, and then they usually do a large or extra, extra large ship, and then, like, usually it's some kind of exclusive or less, less common thing. You just gave me a thought. Yes. Um, you gave me a thought. So I was kind of, I was a little bit confused by the side, the center engines that mm. pivot in the middle, and they didn't look like big engines. But there is one thing that's missing from Drake, and that's a starter ship. Yeah, that's true. And we don't know how how big that thing truly is. We're yeah. guessing, right? It looked kind of big to me, but you can't tell. Yeah. I, I didn't know if it was exactly. You can't tell. Those engines are looked small, but they could be very big with a much bigger ship. But the one thing they definitely are missing is a Drake starter ship. And when you think about it, it's a very popular brand. People will want to start with a Drake ship. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole category of people for yeah. sure. Not me, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I like starter ships. I definitely think they're fun. I think my favorite starter ship is, uh, um, I mean, I really like the Pisces, but it's not, it's not combat worthy enough for me to be mm-hmm. a starter ship. Starter ship. Um, but I really like the Nomad. Yeah, like a great ship that could, like a ship that can compete against a Nomad or the um, or the uh, Titan, right? Um, yeah. Well, I think they go close to black is, is not bad. I mean, it's a great, it's a hundred dollar ship, right? It's yeah. not in the $70 price range. Yeah. It's not in the $50 price range. Uh, it was my second ship that I bought. Yeah. And uh, so there is a lot of popularity with that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm leaning more towards that introductory starter level. Maybe a little advanced starter, like the Titan, where it carries you know weapons and dogfights, and it's got a decent cargo hold. Yeah, or the no, or it's very competitive with the Nomad, right? Yeah, hundred percent. That that really does make me think of that I am. Um, 
That's my new. That's my new speculation. I throw out the old one. I think I still fit. I think it's a medium to large ship, but I don't know. I I think it's more than one seat, but it's hard to tell. I even have the video on in the background, and I still can't tell. It could be. It really could be like a nomad. Um, they don't have a vehicle transport, right? They 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 don't really have anything to mm-hmm. haul a decent sized vehicle. I guess the only thing that can haul them, technically, I guess you can get smaller vehicles into the black. Well, and then the Caterpillar. And then the, oh yeah, the Caterpillar. Um, but it's I, limited in which types of vehicles I think could actually, because right. the elevators aren't that big. Right. So maybe, maybe, um, maybe that's still just like a pocket, um, uh, you know, dragonfly ship. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, luckily we only have 16 days and some odd hours before we find out. Uh, cause it did, looks like Drake day is the first day. So we'll know pretty quickly. Now, did you now kind of taking this, I'm going to jump in a little bit with something. Did you see the new armor that came out for the yeah. Uh, subscribers? Yeah. That was really interesting too. It's, is it's Xion or is it? It's Xion adapted for human physiques. Yeah. It's a very alien-looking armor for those who haven't seen it. It looks very cool. It reminds me of um, there used to be a robot on one of the old Buck Rogers, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of his name. It kind of reminded me of that. Um, but, yeah, it's supposed to be like silk nano-weave mm-hmm. breathable armor, and it's got a you know helmet. that It's a flight suit, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's kind of got uh, some cool lines to it. Uh, it's definitely different, and I immediately thought I need to go rebuy my token or my uh, medium size Xi'an fighter. <laughs> 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 so I went and used my credits and my buyback and bought the uh, not the card two out of the You know what's interesting? Uh, the armor doesn't seem that weird in my mind when I look at it in relationship to the Xi'an ships. No, it looks good. But when I think about it in relationship to the Xi'an race and what they look like, they don't seem to match in my mind. Well, because they have the turtle-like ones, the ones that look kind of like, you know, angry battle turtles. Yeah, and they're taller, right? Aren't they they supposed to be tall? the, The Banu are really, really tall. Okay, so I'm, yeah, they are the turtle type, but they do have, um, you know, they look definitely different. I mean, they're they definitely have like armor greaves on that look like armor, like something you get off a medieval knight. Mm-hmm. They have a you know one yeah. shoulder pad which is rounded and definitely like has a little lip on it that would stop blades from catching your neck, and the other ones kind of your right one is kind of sticking up at an angle more of yeah. a pointed type thing uh, maybe for better mobility right is yeah, that's definitely an, an, a unique yeah for sure and they have a red a gold and a silver um and the silver one's interesting they all look a the little silver's like, the the standard yeah. one right the centurion or whatever uh, that's the one anyone I think can buy, and then I oh. think the red one is for the the high level 
and mm-hmm. then the gold um, one is for the lower level standard because I have the lower level. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all and I, I have to subscribe for too is the yeah. Centurion, right? Yeah, and, and whatever and the, the back, lower one is. And in the back, of course, they're showing the Xeon scout ship, you know, the uh, yeah, hey, it was it, the the Centac, yeah, Cartwell, yeah, Cartwell. So, but I went out and bought my medium sized one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, that, that's a potential. <laughs> I, I had some credits. So. Um, so to go over the um, the dates for the event this year, i.e., day one is Drake, uh, which is on the 18th. Day two is Origin. Day three is Aegis. Day four is Apoa, Banu, Gatak, and Asperia. Uh, day five is Anvil Aerospace. Day six is Argo, Greycat, Kruger, and Consolidated Outlands. Day seven is Crusader and Tumbrel. Day eight is Misk. Day nine is RSI. Day 10 is Best in Show, as well as Weapons and Armor. And days 11 through 13 are the event finale. I'm curious. Um, first of all, you notice something here. It's the first time they're actually only doing one day instead of two. For which for which one? For all of them. They used to oh, be. Oh, they go, well, they they go on the, they go on the downstairs typically, right, when they do that? Yeah. So I'm curious to see why that well i guess i'm not curious to see why it is maybe they just saw in the data that they you know when they do it longer it doesn't change anything but then i'm curious like what's the finale 11 to 13 that's three days and we don't even know what what it really is yeah um i don't know you know i i don't know if you you get the subscriber magazine Mm mm-hmm um, in the very back, let's see if I can go there and find, I, I have my account open, so I'm just going to go there real quick, um, under subscribers and jump point. So in the very back of the magazine, normally they have what you're going to get for your gift or mm-hmm. uh, subscriber thing. This year they didn't have that. Yeah. There was an ad. There was an advertisement and it's, um, it's a picture of pyro, it's pyro and then there's something blocked out and then amal amalgamated pyro something amalgamated pyrotechnic amalgamated yeah and it says explore the unknown employee job fair friday january 15th 2495 Mm -hmm. uh or 2494 um i'm wondering they're not going to show us more about pyro somehow i'm sure if they do it's via Jax mccleary yeah i i i do think there's going to be something else um you know i'm always optimistic i you know they're going to provide us a full-size you know version of 890 jump for all of us no i you know i don't know what it's going to be but i am always optimistic something big is going to come out of this and this one is definitely different than the pattern we've seen every magazine well the other thing too is the one thing we have to remember and i think it's important because we're seeing all this pyro ramp up and i think it's important from the sense of like we don't want to 
preset our expectations to be more aggressive yeah. than they should be. I have a feeling what we're seeing is the result of marketing making a plan based on what they thought development was going to do and then mm-hmm. development getting pushed back. I feel like they were really going to be gearing up because pyro was going to start to be tested by the end of the year, um, which is very not likely to happen now. Right. I mean, extremely right. unlikely. We're going to be happy if we get 318 in a stable uh, position before the end of the year. So we're a little out of sync is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. because marketing plans out their activities for years, you know, like at least a quarter in advance or more. And, you know, you see that a lot of times in the sense that we, the imagery we get at ISC is sometimes weeks to a month before, you know, the show airs. And so, you know, it's just sort of marketing has its own beat that it has to follow and it makes sense, but perhaps they were anticipating Pyro's release, you know, early next year when now it's probably mid to late. But who knows? Gotcha. Gotcha. Who knows? I'm also curious why you have this Xion armor for subscriber flair when they've been leaning more towards some of the other things. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I have to admit. Same. I, I mean, I always love the IAE, especially hopefully Jax comes back. Cause I really like him. Yeah. Or they do something comparable in terms of entertainment value. Is it going to be on um, all or, Orson again? No, uh, it's in uh, New Babbage. I think because they launched the racetrack. Oh, okay. Good, good. Okay. So I think they wanted to just leave space for it. And maybe they just want to break the cycle of wherever the um, IAE is. It's going to be the same as the um, Fleet Week and all that stuff. I think they're trying to change that. It's also interesting because they did mention something about another event space that they were working on, but it looks like it's not for IAE. Right. Um, Ooh, boy. I just yeah. have my, a wild thought in my head. Oh, well, tell us. What happens, what happens if it's actually in the pyro system? They could be working on an event space in the pyro system. I don't... It'll be interesting to see because it's not like it's going to be one big sanction. It's not going to be a yeah, UEE <laughs> sanctioned event. That's for sure. Yeah, very <laughs> unlikely, but that would be pirate cool. Tom. <laughs> How interesting would it be if that's where Drake starts to have its defense con? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of three eighteen, uh, we've had a couple tests now of the patch. Uh, did we talk about it being pushed back? Yeah, we did last. We time. did. I thought so. Yeah. Um, you know, with it being pushed back now, it does seem like they're sort of doing stress tests, at least initially. But some data has come back, so there have been some rumors or some potential leaks. If you don't like leaks, you probably want to wait a little bit. Um, but they're pretty simple. Uh, one is the Carrick looks like it's cargo pods could potentially uh, detach with damage uh, in 318, or at least in the files. Same with the whole a cargo splines. Ooh. 
Um, they listed off some of the salvage harvestables that can be found in the files. So, so far, it looks like there's a 890 Jump, C2, an Ares Inferno, an Aegis Titan, a Redeemer, and a Pisces. Uh, so good variety of ships that look like they could be salvageable. Um, yeah, you know, obviously, these are the ones that are going to spawn. Um, they also n- noticed that it looks like there is potentially a feature. And I think you're really going to love hearing this, Seagard, if you haven't already, where the lockers in ships might be able to save the loadout and you can swap them in and out. Oh, that'd be nice. Who knows? It could be one of those things. Yep. Where, you know, it it uh it's one of those things that's in the files, but it's not ready. But yeah, that's that's so far what we know about Alpha 318, besides the stuff we already knew knew. Uh so that brings us up to the roadmap roundup. It's a relatively short one this uh past week. Um you know, they already mentioned 318 being in Evocati with their next test uh, going out later last week. They mentioned after evaluating the recent Evocati test, they're targeting early December for a live release. And as we mentioned, it won't impact the IAE. They'll be releasing Alpha 317.4 in an earlier patch. Uh, this has all been reflected with the release view with this publish. Additionally, as the Drake Corsair is due to release during IAE, they're moving the card to release view on uh, from 3.18 to 3.17. So release view, the following cards have been added. Uh, the Great Cat STV. Obviously, it's already an in-game vehicle. They put they passed their final review. And they're... Uh, oh, sorry. I read ahead. <laughs> um, so obviously, they're already in-game. The, the following cards passed their final review for 2018. <laughs> and so they're changing the status to committed. New Rivers and Stanton. So setting up biome-specific ob- object rule sets around bodies of water and distributing those by placing additional rivers and lakes on Microtech and Hurston. Good. Uh, the Sand Cave Archetype. Establishing the visual language, creation pipeline, and quality standard for a new sand cave archetype. With this release, cave networks using this archetype will be placed throughout the Stanton system. This a three eighteen. Yep. Wow. That's this hard. is what's being marked and committed as well. Yeah. Uh, the security post Korea reactivation. Security post Korea will now take a more central role in Stanton's security. Crusader Security has moved in full-time staff and has begun storing confiscated contraband aboard. Unless given prior authorization, the station will be off-limits to all civilians. New Missions Orison, Bounty, Assassinate, Clear All, and other missions to take place on the platforms created for the Siege of Orison, which in future will be distributed across the planet of Crusader to create further content. So those are the only changes so far. Okay, that's all good. It's good to see things get committed. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I need to be committed. Yeah, have a gummy bear, you'll change that. Too late. (laughs) 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 late. Well, what happened is um, I went to a bar last night, shocker, um, and I sat, you know those stools that are, very square and they're metal and they're usually 
like coated metal. Yes. So they come in a variety of colors and they have that stupid um like hand hole in the middle. Yes. Well, apparently at my progressive aging, sitting on one of those for a couple hours leads you the next day with sciatica. Ah, there you go. So I was like, ooh, I need to take one of these hybrid CBD THC bad boys to try and get rid of my back pain. Yep. So that's what I did. It was just for my health. Yep. Nothing more. Nothing more. I like it. Yep. So that brings us to tips and tricks. Um, a couple mentioned here. Uh, S. Gateman said, not sure where the original comment was, but yes, Windows does not quite, quote unquote, shut down all the way when you use shutdown. To improve speed when turning on your computers, Windows will source, store some data and reload it. Very similar to how we use the Hibernate. And I think it uses the same principles known as hybrid shutdown. Restarting clears all of that, which is helpful for bug slashing, squashing rather. Um, Good one. Dip McJunkin said, hi, everybody. IAE 2952 is coming up fast. So if you're looking to get a new ship or upgrade your pledge to something bigger and better, check out the CCU gameplay app or CCU.game. Hang on. Check out the CCU game.app. So this way you can save a bunch of money for your pledges by playing, planning a CCU chain. Um, for those that don't realize that's the, um, what are they called? What's CCU actually stand for? Um, cross chassis upgrade. Yeah. Cross chassis upgrade. Yeah. So essentially you take a ship that you bought and you pay the quote unquote difference to the next ship up. But depending on when you bought your ship and what it's worth now versus when you bought it and, and all the values of ships and how much they give you for the upgrade, there's a cheaper path to get to a better ship than if you just plan you went straight to that ship. Like, Oh, I went to a, a Titan to a Carrick. You might be able to CCU up to a Carrick and spend $140 instead of $450. Right. Over. And that'd be above what you originally paid for your first ship. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so definitely check that out. Cause there are some really sneaky, uh, upgrades that you don't realize. And that's it. Uh, any tips or tricks from you, Seagod? Well, yeah, you know, I, I discovered one the other day. Um, so I, anyway, the, the simple story is, is that if you are in a ship and you forget to turn off your motors and you, uh, when you, when you get out of your ship and it gets parked and you call it back, we all know that the ship is floating off the ground. Um, what I, what I realized the other day, um, is that because I had a ship that had a ladder that extended, I was able to actually deploy the ladder and then get on the ladder and get inside the ship. Mm -hmm. So if you're using a ship that has a ladder, you know, it could be any of them. If you can jump up or even get the, the button to activate and deploy that ladder and say, board ship, you will get in your ship. Mm -hmm. so, it could save yourself. So any of the origin, you know, the 300 series, any of the uh, 
The, the Nomad is a great one. It has a side ladder. Um, the Freelancer, the you, know, you get the idea. It has a ladder yeah. sticking out of it. It's generally a good way to go. Yeah. Um, what I failed at doing the other day, but I tried to do, I tried to get into a ship, and someone may have better luck than I did. I could not get into my Starfarer because the ramp was stuck. It was stuck in the middle position in a hangar. On the, it's how it came out of the uh, storage. Um, ships on the ground, no problem. There's only one way, and that's the ramp. So what I tried to do was um, go to the front of the ship, and there's a cargo, or there's a docking collar underneath the nose of the Starfarer. Mm-hmm. I can open. I could jump up and open it. So I knew it could be open, and then I thought, well, maybe I can jump up and grab the edge with my character, like you're climbing a ledge in a, in a, in a cave, and crawl it. That didn't work. So my next thought was, I have a lot of stuff in my inventory. So I started pulling out my armor in box form and uh-huh. then stacking the boxes. So oh. uh, I could not get in. But I came really close. <laughs> yeah, if it had been any other ship, I would have like anything. I mean, I would have gotten in no problem at all. My I mean, goodness. it just you couldn't jump up and grab that ledge because it's not set up for it. Yeah. But I was able to stack boxes, you know, too wide, and I think on the final end it was four four tall. And at that point, it tells you the area is too cluttered. You can't take out any more boxes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good little. It's a fun little puzzle kind of thing to try if you haven't tried it and it, it does work you can easily jump onto the boxes sometimes they topple over that's why i ended up going too wide but uh but you can you can do it fairly easy so wow. something to keep in mind that seems like a lot <laughs> yeah it, well, I did, pull out I some a, suits just so i could stack some boxes yeah i had a bunch of stuff already loaded on it and i had a bunch of vehicles and oh, I, I didn't want to have to um, i didn't want to have to lose that and, yeah uh, so I said, uh, I'll just try it. I got nothing better to do for an hour. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that was my my, my uh, tip. science tip. Yes. Oh, well, speaking of science. Oh, play the music. All righty. Well, we got a few submissions for science this week or, you know, between episodes. Um are you losing my mind said he had a couple uh, for science number one bunker bunkers have been bugged pretty much since 317 dropped but i discovered that you're far, far more likely to get enemies to spawn in a bunker if you select missions that don't have guards so remove occupants and clear hostiles type missions work better than protect site that's very good to hear are you losing my mind um for science number two, tested bed logging with a friend. We used my freelancer and my friend was party leader. He logged out in the bed first, then I did. After returning to the main re- menu, we launched as a party and both logged in in the freelancer. Great test. So, excellent stuff. Are you losing my mind? Uh, Connect 2099 said adding to our use for science number one having tested enemy bunker missions the safe distance to park is actually outside of turret range and use a vehicle to get close turrets are respawning too fast and have been shooting through the geometry even if you hide the ship in a crater so best bet is to park further than they can shoot 
for science uh, morphed into a tip, but that's why we for science in the first place. So stay out of shooting range of the guns until they are blocked by the terrain. Uh, thank you, Connect 2099. And then uh, CN Fries said, for science, I took a Vanguard Sentinel and tried ramming it into a ship and see how long it would last. I hit one ship, destroyed it, one tap, and was missing my front right wing. I ended up losing control of it. Oh, it was only missing the front right right wing. Uh, so, yeah. Um, interesting. The question, CN Fries, is what ship did you ram it with? Or did you ram with it? <laughs> um, anything for Science Seagard? Or was that sort of the hybrid that you... That, that was kind of a hybrid. Um, that was kind of the hybrid. Okie dokie. Um, I did not do anything for Science because, as you all know, I haven't been playing the game. I'm just reporting about it once a week, or uh, ideally once a week. Um... That brings us to our other favorite segment because there's music associated with it. I do like this song for some reason. It's it. and it's, there's actually I heard something that sounds like it down near uh, Tanit, Tammany and Oh, Tammany and Sons on Lorville. Yeah, there's a little snack shop on the right hand side there. I swear I could hear the guitar playing in the back. Hmm. But, uh, Interesting. I just find myself making a goofy face and dancing a lot with my shoulders whenever it, uh, whenever it's playing, because I'm a weird person. Uh, so I actually asked Seaguard's question last week, um, and the question, or two weeks ago. Sorry, everybody. Um, we had been so reliable. Uh, I asked, "What from CitizenCon are you most excited about?" And uh, someone did reply to i put it up as a q a in anchor and someone did reply it was an interesting response um uh maxima maxima or maxim maxim said yes that was maxim's response uh thank you maxim for adding such a wealth of wealth of content to that that segment. Uh, we got quite a few responses in our Discord, however. Um, CM Fries said, the new Grey Cat STV. Uh, Cinder111 said, the Corsair and the 600i rework. Um, 600i did not uh, show up in CitizenCon, but yes, it's really exciting. Um, Oshirigami said fauna AI. I did I didn't see any fauna AI, did you, Seagar? No. It I, did well, say you know something I did see something about I I think there was something under um fauna AI at one point. Oshirigami did say fauna AI LOL. Oh okay. So, okay. Sorry. I was thinking like Venus flytrap when she said that, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. King Beyond the Wall said the perpetual two years from Squadron Forty Two. 
not a part of Citizen Con, but it is quite delightful after some period of time. Uh, undead period. Un, why I cannot speak today. I swear it's not a gummy. Um, that hasn't hit yet. Undead Parrot said, I'm really interested in seeing how the flight mode changes will work out. Currently, PvP feels like you're trying to hit someone with pants full of uh, rabid weasels. Naturally, there's tactics, etc., but I'd like to see it moving towards better positioning instead of just being good at aiming a fast-moving pixel. Uh, totally agreed. Um, you know, the flight PvP, aiming at a pip does not seem engaging or immersive. Our good yes. friend Skyguard said, the Corsair. Uh, 2K2D is commenting my favorite thing as well. Large ship resource management. Um, are you losing my mind, said? Investigator, investigator missions and the C1. That's the spirit uh, variation C1. Uh, Fractum Seraph said, investigation missions for sure. When I first played back in 2.6, I did the Covalex mission, and it sold me. That's true. was a fun mission, Fractum. Uh, Mavros said, cleaning mechanic. No. I don't know. Power management. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then he said, I don't. I, I would try and do my best. Spanish accent, but it'd probably just be annoying. He was on with us the other day. I haven't oh, yeah? seen him in a long time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a long time. He sounded time. good. He sounded real good. Yeah, our our, our friend Mavros is from España. Um, yeah, so he said, I don't know, power management. I'm scared and yet excited to be able to die not only by the mighty elevator as usual, but also by the lack of life support in the Shoilet. <laughs> uh, I agree. Um, Canuck2099 said, Animal AI. Why? Because CIG has already shown they could do ships, do basic missions, do environments, etc. What they have not been able to get right is AI. Server, server ticks aside, their live AI is abysmal. So I want to see if they can maybe get another type of AI done, which arguably is simpler. I still, there was, was there animal AI? I don't recall seeing any animal AI. Uh, If you guys can comment on the animal AI that you saw and which segment it was, that'd be super helpful. Um, Admiral Cody said, for sure, the master modes, we still need a solid and agreed upon flight combat model, flight slash combat model in order for the game to work. Uh, Mach 3 Generic said, the new underground facilities, there's just something very pleasant about traveling to outposts or bunkers and the transition from flight to ground activities. S. Gateman said, I'm a sucker for the yellow moss. I'm one of the planets in Pyro. I think it's three or four. Um, I'll be going there straight away. Feature slash content related, though, I think Master Modes is what I'm excited for. It makes a lot of sense to me to not have weapons and shields powered at all times. Reminds me of countless sci-fi movies. Power to weapons! Power to shields! Psychosis said, As a new player, it's hard for me to focus on one thing, though I'd say the investigation missions sound like a lot of fun for when combat might not be your primary thing at present. 
and that new Moby Glass slash Star Map slash Interaction System from Squadron 42 want those. Gothic said, As someone who mainly does bunker missions to gain credits, the new Munker... New Munkers. The new Bunkers would have to be my favorite thing. Retor for Mentor said, I look forward to quantum boost all over Hurston, overheat my drive, mess up my attempt to adjust power balance, and realize that I'm crashing down towards a Hurston dynamic underground facility. (laughs) That was really good kitchen sinking there. (laughs) Uh, Dip McJunkin said, gotta say, uh, gotta uh, gonna have to say pyro, hands down. Brother Squid, wow, we got so many of these. Brother Squid said, it's hard to pick out a single thing that I'm most excited about, engineering and pyro being so huge and important, but I have to say, for now, I'm most excited to finally fly my Corsair. Mr. Tim said, I'll be excited that the wipe is over and I can start all over again for the forget how many times now. There's a there's a bigger wipe coming after this one. This is just called the baby wipe. Yeah, wait till they have the shortlets. <laughs> It'll be called the double wipe. That's right. You can't you can't put a baby wipe down there. It'll you block can't. it. There are no. <laughs> oh, I, hang on. I gotta type this down now. <laughs> that's right. And for the new systems, that's when they come in with cloaking. That's how we're gonna track the cloak ship. The baby wipes that come out of the by bed. the smellogram. <laughs> By the, the smells. Um, yeah, I, I just came up with the the name of the episode. There are no baby wipes in space. Um, if you have hemorrhoids, can they hear you scream? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, CN Fry said, when is the wipe? Undead Parrot said, when 318 comes out. But when it comes out, well, your guess is as good as anyone's. <laughs> Uh, so where Valk said new ships to fly in, new places to go, and new things to do there. Mm-hmm. Yeasty Dynasty said, I'm looking forward to Lorville 2.0. I can't I always call that place home, and man, did the upgrade look nice. Hamar said, finally a time when I can organize a, <laughs> a permanent altar for my cult. Just not sure how my cult leader, a.k.a. the cat, will communicate effectively. By the way, anyone interested, you know which org to look up. Feel free to apply. Uh, For those who don't realize, Hamar is referencing the comment in the last episode about... um, Wait, was it the last episode or was it in Discord? There was a back and forth (coughs) via Discord, actually, uh, from one of our newer listeners who... Uh, is catching up and didn't realize the whole disbanding of our former org um, and was mentioning how the org exists, but that's because Hamar um, relaunched the org <laughs> name to take it uh, and made it all about an org that is subservient to his cat. That's right. So, it's amazing how the winners rewrite history. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You know nothing, Cigar Olsen. <laughs> um, Cthulhu's Disciple, a.k.a. Bloody Badger, said, I'm excited about a new system, but I'm also de- 
disappointed. I cannot speak today. I'm also disappointed that they did not mention anything about building Habs. Yeah. What did I just see where they were talking about they're deploying how many halves? They're mm. it was in the same video it, as the uh, caves. There's something about inc- I, I can't speak to it exactly, but I know I've heard a couple things. One being that there are some locations where they're adding to the number of halves because in preparation for a That's bigger game. That's what it was. Um, but then also, um, they did mention Wrathstar. You know, we have that coming up this week, a look into that progress, and that eventually will be the tool that they turn into something that we can use to build our own settlements. Um, and then Illusions 2 said, I'm excited to see what the flight speed changes bring. I can't wait to test out laser cannons. I'm hoping the slower speeds make their low projectile speed less noticeable. Now, funny enough, I noticed that uh, we also had a bunch of Spotify responses to a question we asked way back on May 18th, episode titled Flying High for Fleet Week. Okay. I didn't see them come in until I got an email. For some reason, out of nowhere, three people had responses two weeks ago. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, Which also allowed me to see the June 8th response that I somehow missed. The question at the time was, what do you like or dislike about the ship inventory system? Uh, Taylor said, or Tyler, Taylor, said... uh, Ship inventory is good, a little glitchy right now, but would maybe be cool if eventually you could physically put items in cabinets. Just another way to become more involved with the game. Yeah. Steven said, I wish you could do a direct transfer of inventory from one ship to another, like moving your tactical gear from your ship in the same landing zone to a friend ship that you're currently on. Remind me of my question, because I do have a question related. I shall. Uh, Rick, with a C, no K, said, I don't dislike anything in particular. I just wish you could store objects in particular lockers and containers rather than pulling them out of the ether. Long term, Rick, we're getting there. Much closer. Um, funny enough, this is a, that's a more modern comment on the same thing, too. Uh, Preston said, difficult to properly know what's going to fit where and what items are what. It should honestly be as simplified as possible because with the game being so complicated, that would help balance it. I don't disagree. We want it to be simple. I think it really needs to be as simple as uh, we've got a cargo manifest. And besides that, like we can actually put what we have in places that are designated for them. That's me. Uh, Seagard, what's your question for this week? Yeah, so this is actually kind of related, though. It goes back to, uh, if anyone's been in the military, you kind of know what a duffel bag is. Um, so in the military, you don't just... Or if you've been a person. Or, yeah, if you've been a person, a duffel <laughs> I, bag, you might, right? You might pack your duffel differently, though. Yeah, you might pack your duffel. But to a military person, it's very specific how yeah. you pack it and what you put in it. and It's only openable. It's only opened from one end. It's got a padlock on it. 
So you oh. got to think of how you're going to pack that. It's generally for longer storage. But that's how we move our equipment from our locker because we don't use it every day. It's something you know, body armor and stuff like that might be packed away, uh, chemical gear, etc. But you pack these bags and then we would, you know, throw them over our shoulder and walk down to the motor pool half a mile away with our 50 cals and other stuff we had for our tanks and firing pins and, you know, all sorts of stuff, plus our duffel bags and load them onto our tanks. Um, infantry do the same thing, uh, especially if they're in Bradley's. Um, Air Force crews, and I think the Navy also do it, but they use, uh, and we all use these bags. It's another type of bag that you carry in your hand. It's got two handles. It carries about as much as a duffel bag. Mm-hmm. But it's much better and much more accessible for like uniforms and boots and um, you know it'll you could put weapons in there if you were a civilian you could put your weapons your body armor and you could just carry it as a go bag it's too big to just carry around under your arm I mean it's a good size bag it, it probably as big as a backpack mm-hmm. on like the heavy armor um, I you know I I want to know would you would you guys see the need for a hand-carried equipment bag, that's what we call it, to carry to your ships or between your, you know, when you get on your friendship as a ready, you know, and packed go bag, basically? Uh, how, you know, do you think that would be useful either as a, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? A, uh, subs- you know, some kind of uh, item you could get from the subscriber store, from the, um or just buy from the you know the store or earn in game, right? It's not easy to carry. It takes up a hand, right? Drag it around with you, but you never have to unpack that sucker. Set it up once and carry it to the ship you're going on. So the question is, would you like to see a hand-carried equipment bag to carry onto your ships or friendships, keep it packed, and you are ready to go? So I guess my follow-up question would be, uh, Seaguard, and if you don't mind adding this to it, okay. Uh, what would you put in yours? Oh, yeah. Well, just to make it a little less yes and no. Yeah, I can add that. Um, okay. And it's already posted. I'll go edit that. Um, excellent, Danke. Um, we had a few questions from Q and A, not too many. Uh. Cthulhu's Disciple, a.k.a. Bloody Badger, asked, comment as far as the uh, pre-possessed character skill sets. I think character acclimation may be a better term. This would allow a character to grow beyond just the player's skill. For instance, if your character spends a significant amount of time in a cold weather environment, naturally the body would adapt and may have a longer survival time than someone who just left Aberdeen. Same would apply to flying in high G's or spending a lot of time running. I would be okay with that for a slight edge. What I don't want is to be able to see any of the changes on some sort of skill sheet. Uh, so what are your thoughts on what Badger's bringing up here about how he wants sees that sort of skill? I don't, I don't even, it's, it's probably not a proper skill tree, but the skills playing out. Is that a statement you agree with, or how would you? So you repeat feel? it again, because I was typing and pasting. I, I kind of got. I yeah, never... so essentially he's saying, obviously, 
just like in real life, you can improve skills by exposing yourself to different scenarios, like being outside and surviving out in the cold longer will make your body adapt to it eventually. He doesn't want, um, he doesn't want to see any of the skills changes be sort of like you're a level one adapt at being cold outside, you know, like something like that. Right. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Cause clearly we, I think we saw some of that on the Moby glass. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, we were talking about that a little bit and my, my thought on it is he's right. Um, again, in the military, and if you're a construction worker and you work in the winters and you worked in the summers, you, you know, you have to become acclimated. When we had to look up the word, is it acclimated or, um, well, you know, acclimated, I think, is the correct term yeah. to an environment or to a condition. If you're a worker and you've never used a hammer before and you show up on the first day, using that hammer will be killing you by the second day. Your no. arm will be so freaking sore. Um, digging ditches the same way. I mean, these are backbreaking tasks that your body has to adapt to. So I, de- I think it's a great way to be realistic um, mm. without having a skill that you earn over time just by being in the game. Yeah. Um, and you get it from the environment. Um, and I also think the thing that really would make it the best is that it's perishable. So I yeah. go from... You're right. And if you're an ice planet guy and you've been mining up there and you can walk around in a medium suit after a couple days for an hour without putting on a cold weather suit. Great. The minute you go to a hot planet, you should be on like the meltdown phase because <laughs> you're just not used to it. Yeah. You're at the opposite end. Yeah. Um, almost like reputation, right? It's kind of like a reputation is earned and it can go over time and fade. and. Um, and that's how I think it should work. I think it's a great way to do it. I also think that's kind of what they were describing. Yeah. And talked about it. Yeah. I think so too. <clears throat> I'm all, I don't mind if they're like slightly neg- negligible boosts, but what I don't want, just like you've echoed Badger talked about in, in the discord, this was, was it our discord or was it? Um, yeah, parlay. we were just talking about it on a channel one night when we were playing. Oh, it was also in either this Discord or Parlay. I can't remember which one where we were going back and forth about it too. And it's like, I just, the only way I could even entertain it being part of an app is if it's like my fitness app for my Apple Watch today, which is like, you know, this metric contributes to something, but it's not like you're a level one runner. You know, it's right. like clearly you're quote unquote fit or, you, you know, like they could come up with something like a fitness rating or this rating based mm-hmm. on if they can make it sound realistic and not stupid. But then mm-hmm. I sit there and here's my question for you. Why do we not like that? But we don't mind seeing our reputation in an app. Okay. Interesting. Right. And, and then, and I say this as someone who that doesn't bother me as much for some reason, but if you think about it, um, your reputation, like if you're tracking it with some kind of app, your reputation, and you have a really solid reputation with the nine tails, isn't that incriminating evidence when you get apprehended for 
being affiliated with the Nine Tails. Right. At at a certain point, we kind of have to go at rule of cool. But because this has been such a skills-based game, I think anything that's too overt is going to be annoying. Right. Right. But we shall see. I mean, I, I hope... Well, they'll listen to player feedback regardless. They've been really good about that at the very least. That's one thing that you can always say about CIG. They might not make the change as fast as we want it. But yep. they listen. Um, Tuki2D said, Doesn't medical already cover a lot of skill discussion? We're talking about medical affects your skills in the adverse reaction and has planned to further do so. Examples. A damaged arm will not shoot as well and injuries impair mobility we're told you'll have prosthetics and run the risk of losing limbs it seems to line up that your player will adapt and change over time i think this all plays into the death of a spaceman being a soft character reset that has me intrigued thoughts so a follow-up question that was more of a comment with what's our reaction what are your thoughts to what tuki said I I think he's right. I mean, I think death of a I think you know right now they're limited on where they can go with the vision of death of a of a, a spaceman. Uh, but I think over time, I think it could be you know uh, the whole your character you know passing away or becoming unable to take care of you know business and you have to have a replacement that you know I I think. There's so many cool ways I would like to see that. Like, I, you know, I would love to see like a an NPC that kind of hangs out in your hangar, and you can kind of pick who they are, or what they look like, or whatever. But you know, as you as you become injured or unable to do something, that that character grows over time and becomes an adult. And when your character reaches the point of no return, that person now inherits your stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, there's Seagard Olofsson, and then there's Seagard Seagard Seagardson, which is the son of Seagard, mm-hmm. right? And then you would have, you know, the, the next one, you know, uh, I think it could be a very cool way to uh, carry your character forward, if not through uh, a single character, through but through a lineage, right? Uh, mm. It could be a friend. It could be, you know, there's so many ways you could do it, right? Uh, yeah. And I think it would be an interesting way. Uh, yeah. I, and I do think you you bring up, you know, there's a lot of good points here because a lot of things can be much more subtle. Do we? Do I really need to see your reputation? I don't want to see your reputation. I don't yeah. want others to see my reputation. I want it to be apparent by my appearance or my mannerisms. Like I've always said, I I think it would be cool if you're like a, if you fancy yourself to be a fighter pilot, Mm -hmm. you can pick some things like I want to be a gunfighter scientist fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. Well, your hand will be down near your gun all the time, right? You'll always have a pistol or something Mm -hmm. uh, that you're fiddling with. And it won't be, it'll just be your character's natural habit. Uh, if you walk by a ship, your hand will brush the nose. All right, it'll just give clues about what the per- who the person you're looking at, what they are made of. Mm-hmm. They're wearing, you know, tough looking armor, and you know they have a certain walk to them. Maybe they're more muscular walk, and 
I probably don't want to mess with that guy, but he doesn't have a big thing on his head that says, I'm a really good at, you know, being a pirate, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think these subtle things are what will make a game out of the box. I mean, just well, out of this world for us. Think about it in the future. Like you could end up being, say, say down the road, they start to introduce more war elements into the game mm-hmm. and you become part of a certain battle like operation pitchfork, for instance, um, for those who don't know, Google it. It's too much to explain, but it's essentially a, yeah. a, a, a citizen created idea that starts that uh, CIG is going to do once the game is at release. But um, say you participate in something as large scale as operation pitchfork, you could get a patch for your jacket that you put on it that's more rep than most anything else because you can literally display that if you want to. And people can say, Oh wow, you participated in that. And they could even rank, they could change the color based on, you know, how much you quote unquote participated based on certain metrics or whatever. Um, I keep thinking about a good example of how this skills thing. and, And I see it as think of it this way. Sorry, now I thought of two points. Uh, what if they're trying to create your character is similar to your ship in the sense that like your body has wear and tear, but your body also has, you know, different um, stats, right? Right. And and so, you know, everything that happens to this person ends up being something that could affect the way it flies. Like same thing as like, or the way you behave, same thing as the ship, like, Once your ship's no longer new, even if you repair it, it could still change the long-term composition of the ship or how well it performs in a certain way, um, I would imagine, so that it feels lived in. Um, It's the same as, like, in my mind, if someone is a sniper all the time, I would imagine over time they can hold their breath and keep the gun steady longer than someone who's just sniping for the first time. Correct. Right, because as a human being, you get more practiced with it, and so I feel like that could be a subtle, great in-game example if they follow, if they make it less gamified and more sort of, as a result of your behaviors, um, kind of help improve the experience of doing something over and over again. Like practice makes perfect. I, I'm absolutely, yeah, I. This whole type of discussion, I mean, there's probably developers, hopefully there's a developer from CIG go, or CIG going, what do these clowns think we can do? We're not miracle workers. <laughs> but I would love to see a like a, a subtleness to understanding AI players better and real players better. Yeah. Um, and, and for them to understand me. Sometimes I just go stand in a corner and watch people walk by just because kind of interesting to see how different people do things. I do like to pretend I'm an NPC sometimes. Yeah, I just stand there (laughs) and you'll see people running by. It's like, well, that person runs everywhere. Other people come walking by. You go, I do that too. I I don't necessarily want to stand out in the crowd. I want to kind of just take things at my own pace and get there. Yeah. Uh, Right. And, uh, so I, I think all these little subtle clues and these subtle subtleties um, are a breakaway from traditional gaming 
but they also get you away from, you know, I'm the best fighter pilot in the world because I've studied 362 manuals, you know, digitally by putting my Claire in a, you know, mouse induced loop where he learns. Right. And they've always said that it would, it would be based on player skill. Yeah. I think the natural environment type things like, um, cold weather adaption and then losing it over time is like fantastic. Right. G forces for a pilot, right? All these things. Yeah. A lot of options. And by the way, CIG, if you don't want to make it that in depth, that's fine. I think ultimately what most of us are trying to say is don't make it gamified. Don't make it too obvious. Make it fluid and feel integrated within the experience. And just make my character a lot better looking than his. <laughs> and please, let's get some beards, huh? That's right. Because <laughs> there's a lot of us in the community that are bearded. Yes. Um, Gothic. Has a great beard. Who does? Hey, Amar, a great yeah. one. Uh, very well cropped, too. Yeah. Um, there you go, Hamar. You have a great beard. Uh, Gothic asks... How do you think the logistics of transporting light fighters or even smaller ships like the Avenger, Titan, Nomad, etc. will occur when we expand past jump gates? Do you think CIG will just have the reclaim option like we have in Stanton once we arrive? If so, will it take longer slash cost more to expedite? Or will you be unable to claim a ship in Pyro and have to either purchase it locally or use some sort of larger vessel like a a Kraken to get it there? Uh, What would your ideal system be for this? What are your thoughts, Seagar? Okay. Um, I'll try to be quick on this one. Well, first first thought I had right off the bat was uh, the way the Air Force does it. They actually fly little planes next to big fuelers, fly them across the Atlantic. So, you know, pilots sometimes wear diapers. Some they just, you know, go in their suits. But uh, they sit in those airplanes for eight, nine hours, 10 hours at a shot and refuel several times over the ocean. So there is the option of going with supply ships, right? You travel as a convoy and you move. The second one would be that uh, there will be I'm sure there will be public transportation to get you there. Um, you know, we do have liners coming out and riding on cargo ships will be an option. And then you can buy a ship there. Um, I, I, you, I think you'll also be able to start in that environment, right? There'll be a limited number of places you can start in each system, but there will be places to start in each system. There'll be mm-hmm. just be, you know, so if you want to bring all your ships and start there, that's, that's your business. I actually, um, you know, have a, a lot of ships, but I definitely keep them so that I can have multiple places. And I have two characters. Uh, mostly that way I get at least two choices of where I can put my ships. Mm. And I will divide them, hopefully, three places to give me the max uh, spread that I can get to my ships or let my friends get to those ships. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, I, I don't know if it's a thought process. Well, it's a little bit of hope, a little bit of thought process, a little bit of just theory crafting in this part, because it's, it is really interesting. My guess is at least in the short term, 
um, at least probably unless unless they make other improvements in the short term, I think in Pyro they'll probably create an opposite type of location uh, to what we have in Stanton. So essentially a neutral and or law abiding grim hex, right. Right? right? A place where you might be able to respawn if you die in the system, uh, where you might be able to recall a ship if you need to, mm-hmm. I would imagine it'd be close to the jump point uh, if they're going to do it at all. But that would be my guess. That's an easy way of doing it, at least short term, uh, and then long term, they could potentially make it so that that station, you know, wavers in control based on the outlaws there or something like that. Yeah. I, oh, oh, go ahead. I thought oh, you were finished. I was going to oh, add sorry. on. I was going to ask a question. But go ahead. Keep. I was going to say. I, I think when it comes to long term, where you can spawn, where you can claim ships, will all have to do with reputation and your crime stat and your reputation. Um, Stanton mostly being legal, but in Pyro, you probably won't be able to spawn ships at a station that's controlled by a particular pirate group based on your affiliation with that pirate group. It'd be the same thing as if you were breaking the law in Stanton, you wouldn't be able to call a ship from a certain location. And so that might not be in effect for when Pyro launches, but I do think long-term your ability to do that will depend. I don't think long-term it will be easy Gothic for you to make an insurance claim in Pyro. I think you'll have to either have a ship and transport them yourself or hire on somebody who has a ship to transport those ships, AKA, um, you know, someone with the liberator or whatever other ships come out that can transport like a Kraken. Um, So that's my long-term thought. Um, And so making a decision to leave your system is going to be important. And it also makes bigger ships like a Carrick or even a large ship like a, a Connie much more viable in this instance. Right. Yeah, I was going to actually um, say that I definitely, in my mind, I could, you know, they've talked about like public transportation and star liners and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um I could see it almost being like a choice that you make. I want to fly first class and, um, you know, I'm just going to get myself there and I'm going to transfer some money, you know, to that location. Yeah. Um, And then I'm going to get on a ship, catch a flight basically. Mm -hmm. And it'll be not like going to jail, but basically you're going to sit there for three or four hours and your character is not going to be available. Right. That's the expensive way. The next way would be I want to go with a little bit more risk and maybe it's only an hour and a half. Yeah. But you could lose your ship or part of your ship or your character could be injured. Right. And the next way would be, you know, do it on your own. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I do think that that public transportation is going to be a big deal. If you want to get all the way across the galaxy in Eve, you can do it in you know, an hour in, the, in a game Eve. But I think in Star Citizen, it's going to be more significant to travel, you know, 10 systems away. I think that's going to be yeah. really dangerous um, and long task. Yeah, it's definitely going to impact <sighs> where you start Correct. in the future. Because if you're in a Terra, for instance, which is a good nexus for a lot of UEE safe systems, 
you know, that you probably can get most of what you need in the connected systems unless you need to venture further out. And I think of it this way, for instance, because I believe Anvil's on Terra. Say you decided you wanted to buy a brand new Anvil ship, and the only location that you can buy it from is the Anvil uh, showroom in Terra, for instance. I'm just assuming there'll be one there because that's where their headquarters is. Uh, But that's a prime example. You may not want to fly one of your ships to go to Terra to go buy a new ship so that you can fly it back to the system you want to be in. So you may either have a friend take you out there or you might take public transpo um, or, you know, whatever the case may be in order to go pick up your brand new ship in that system. Right. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's a lot to think about a lot to think about just simple things like that. I'm sure they're thinking about it, but like anything else, and, it might not feel right once you get it in the player's hands. We're, we're definitely in for as exciting as the next year, year and a half is. We're in for some stressful times too. You know, a good example of something they have done that we all questioned very heavily in the beginning was, uh, well, two things. One was eating and drinking, right? We went through a couple of variations of that. Yep. But I think it's a good balance right now. And the other one was prison, right? Yeah. It was an opportunity to do something that was kind of different and it's like I almost felt like I had to go to prison just to experience it because part of the game I wasn't going to experience otherwise Uh, I think they'll do the same thing I think it's going to be the same way right exactly excellent so um, if you do have any questions uh, comments things you did for science tips tricks whatever the case may be you can submit them through a myriad of methods uh, you can email us at readcastsc at gmail.com. Uh, you could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through Anchor. Um, you could join CitizenCast's Discord uh, and comment in one of the sections labeled as such. Or you can always text us or leave a voicemail at our Google Voice number 646-783-8154. And two comments when you're done. Okay. Is it about contacting us? It's two things. It's two pieces. In, uh, okay. So um, keep going. Oh. It's after content, content, but I don't want you to go right to the music. So plus, oh, it's okay. more tradition to cut you off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then also, if you are looking for a crew, looking for an org, looking for a group of pe- people to play with when you're getting lonely in the verse, definitely check out Parley House. As you heard, we, we had a recent event and we're starting to host more events. Um, it's not necessarily an org. It is a neutral zone for players of all types to hang out, socialize, and enjoy the best space sim the verse has to offer. Links to that and all the other information can be found in the show notes. Uh, We also have friends of the show who are fellow content creators, so definitely take a look at their content uh, on YouTube. You have Earth, Snorkel, and Undead Parrot. Uh, We also have the musical stylings of Admiral Cody and Calibri, who have a Star Citizen-inspired album, including some of the songs in our episodes. Uh, And then, of course, we have our good friends... Uh, Star Jump, which, um, you know, uh, Grim 
is a part of, and then VMZO also has helped with yeah. creating their really robust fleet viewer, which is an extremely compelling tool to use to uh, visualize the fleet that you have. Yes. So what uh, what were your comments, Seaguard? Okay, so two things. I wanted to, uh, you know, I mentioned the the new group, you know, the new people who joined us for the first time the other day, and mm-hmm. uh, it was it really was a pleasure having having you all on. But I want to just give a, uh, a warm welcome to Borg eighty four hundred one, Panda Rumble, Diddy Discus, Overscorch, or Scuffy, and Silwar Volk. Um, you know, I, I may have missed one or two, but I think I got all the, the new ones. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you all. We had a great time uh, and hope to see you again, even if it's just for events, whatever. It, it was fun. Um, and then I was going to say that someone asked me when I started Parley House, it, except that the end of September was a year. So we oh, wow. Been, Parley House has been over, over a year. So I thought that was kind of exciting. Right. Oh, wow. How long have we been doing the podcast now? Uh, we're in our, we have done it for two years now. Okay. And then a few, like a month and a half. Yeah. Because we started in September. <clears throat> um, yeah, September 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're about, we've already hit 40K listeners. We're at 42,000 listens. Not listeners, listens. Listens. (laughs) Discrete listens. Um, But we've got, I think we're approaching our 100th episode. I I should actually count and see. um, It's pretty Yeah. I'll I'll double check, but we're getting close. I think think by the end of the year or so, um, we'll be reaching our 100th episode. Yeah. So that's uh, good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. For, for us, you know, we're, we don't monetize anything. That's not what we do. We, it's kind of like therapy for us. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me, it's therapy. Uh, so all of this stuff is just a blast. It's, it's just fun to see people playing and they, to get on the podcast. I enjoy yeah. it every week. So, I mean, we wouldn't be upset if we monetized, but we'd probably just reinvest it for stuff related yeah, to the so podcast, like yeah. merch or something. But I was looking at, we have a bunch of uh, partly house, uh, what do you call it? Um, they've paid to, to boost. And I was looking at my boost the other night. And I went, <laughs> I could buy a nice ship every year for that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been worth it. It's been worth it. <coughs> and other people boost too. So we typically run at 14 boosts, which is highest of everything. So best comms, <laughs> best, you know, banners and everything. So which well, is good. I did not realize that. Yeah. excellent well uh that wraps up another episode of citizen cast everyone thank you fellow citizens for listening and we'll see you next week and just when i thought it was going to be relative i mean it's still not too bad but no i thought it'd be short short it was just you know under two hours that's right our (laughs) Favorite Russian is going on vacation here. Oh, is he on vacation? He's getting ready to. Oh. Very nice trip plan, so. Where is he going? Oh, I can't tell you. Oh. Well, hopefully we'll see him next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like. You can still catch him before he heads out. What's that? 
you can still catch him before he heads out. Oh, I'm sure. Now he's got something to listen to. That's that right. Quick. Except he doesn't listen to our podcast, does he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he self-confesses he, he doesn't, but yeah. you never know. He could be the only only listener sometimes. Yeah.